All right, guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, I am extremely excited because I get to introduce my own dad, Dave Farrow, today as a business partner on a recent flip that we completed. And we're going to run through the final figures on his first active flip. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, letting me be part of that deal, too. Yeah. Well, it worked out pretty well, didn't it? Yes, it did. <laughs> so uh, I'm here today also with Cade. Cade, how are you this morning? I'm doing pretty good. I am super pumped. I know uh, when was the episode way back when we did a introductory episode on the West Flip, I think right when you had gotten it uh, in escrow or maybe just closed. We just closed, I think, and it was like April or May. Yeah. So and I know we were building up to this. This was an episode we really wanted to do. The timing worked out great. I'm really happy we were able to bring in your dad too because you guys obviously working on this flip together. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, let's jump back to the start. Um, just for people as a reminder on how the deal came together, you didn't really join in until we were in escrow. So I'll remind everybody how we actually got the deal, how we found yeah. it. And then we'll jump in and see how everything wrapped up. So as a reminder, uh, we had found the deal from cold calling. Colin, who is actually going to be on the podcast on our next episode, Colin jumped on the phones and was able to secure a meeting with the seller the day after St. Patrick's Day. So we were back in March and we met the seller. And the day that we met him, he was ready to sign sign a contract for $70,000. Uh, once we got into escrow, that's when you got involved. So right. jump right. in. How did that feel? <laughs> you know, so done a number of deals with you and a couple of your mentors prior to that, but all of those had just been basically private money loans, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so those are those are cool deals, very low touch, um, very, uh, very good for me so far. Uh, but in this particular case, you gave me the opportunity to, to jump in and actually be part of the flip for a larger piece of the profit. And I thought this might be a really good time to give that a go and see how that looks. And I, I think it's important that we had started the way that we did, uh, because coming from completely outside of the real estate business, not having any experience in it at all, to be honest, I was I was worried about you know how what were my odds of success. I mean, I don't, I may be good at my normal job, but I'm not good at real estate. <clears throat> and so, sort of the way that you've brought me into this has been a really gentle introduction, uh, and developed the trust that I needed that you and the people that you work with know what you're doing and that I was, was going to have a relatively low risk investment. That's what I wanted to ask really quick. Cause I don't think I've ever heard Dave before Scott had gotten into real estate, you know, building, starting off with his license, you know, helping other people buy and sell real estate. And then finally getting into the investment side, did you have any exposure to real estate prior, whether it be, you know, like, uh, more on the stock side, like a REIT or it, just any real estate exposure prior to Scott getting started? You know, I don't think so. Did you start before 2017? No. Okay. So, so I had one experience in real estate investing prior to that. Um, and so I owned a, a rental property in Denver with my best friend. Uh, and that was probably not the way that most people invest in real estate. We both showed up for the deal with cash. Um, and so we bought the house outright. Um, and the way we split it up is I did the paperwork management of the property. He did all the physical management of the property. It's, it's not a scalable solution. You know, at the end of the day, the return on that was maybe 6% on our money. Um, 
for you know a fair amount of work. Uh, so when Scott approached me about about doing private money lending for him and for other folks in his network, you know that that jumped to like ten to eleven percent, mm-hmm. and and so I a couple of years after I saw a couple of deals actually work, I actually had my partner buy me out of my property in Colorado and moved entirely to doing uh, my real estate investing with, with Scott and his, his network. Yeah. Well, I, I feel bad. I almost, I, I jumped the gun because I was kind of excited about this episode. So let, let's actually give some context to what you do now. I think a lot of people make a lot of excuses. Your first deal uh, you did remotely and you did with a full-time job. So can you kind of tell everybody what you're up to right now with what your full-time day job is and uh, you know what you're doing? Yeah, so I've, I've spent the last you know 33 years in high tech. So uh, the beginning of that was in, in development of software. For the last 10 years, I've actually been in cybersecurity. So I'm currently the chief information security officer at Bear, uh, not at Barracuda Networks anymore. As of last month, I'm no longer there. I'm now the, the CISO at Red Canary. Uh, and and as, as we've sort of gone through our professional lives, right, I haven't thought a ton about investing. It hasn't been my focus. Uh, and so, of course, as an employee, you have a 401k that you, you, you put money into. You've got maybe stock options from your employer. Um, but we haven't gotten fantastic returns from the stock market. And, and we're, we're a little nervous about that. So as we accumulated some extra cash, we looked at real estate as sort of the third leg of, of our investment um, strategy. And it has outpaced all of our, our other investments. And so, Scott, and obviously, well, both of you guys, with Dave kind of starting out on the private lending side, and then this deal over on West kind of being the first deal where the structure was a little bit different. So I know yeah. you had mentioned in escrow was the first time when you approached your dad. Um, what did you guys end up Obviously, you guys closed escrow. What did the structure look like? What was the plan going into this flip getting started? Yeah, that's kind of an interesting question. It's funny that we're both drinking Starbucks right now because <laughs> uh, what happened was, you know, uh, I reached out and I said, hey, we have a deal under contract. And for once in my life, I actually had the cash to close the whole deal, do the whole rehab myself. But I said to myself, like, that's not the best use of my money. I, I had that moment where I was like, oh, but I could do this, that, or the other. And I said, well, no, let's do it how we've always done it. So I called dad and I said, hey, you want to grab Starbucks and talk about another deal? And we've always preached, don't invest just because you like the investor. Always invest because the deal makes sense, right? So when we were talking about the numbers, I think you brought it up. You said, well, hey, I'm not trying to butt in, but I want to kind of get more active in some of these and make a little bit better of a profit. Is there a way where if I'm able to reduce how much the money costs, but I'm able to also provide some value in management, are you open to partnering on the deal? Is that how you remember it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And so we, we sat at Starbucks for a little bit and we, it was kind of funny because we were you know using the iPhone calculator and I was crunching numbers and I was like, well, if we take off this, we take off that, we do this. Uh, just like you and I have always done, we ran the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. We said, if we make the worst case scenario profit, is this still a win-win? And I think you and I came to the conclusion that even at, even at our worst case, which for us was selling for 135000 and assuming that our budget went a little bit over, like that would still be a win. And I think at that point, that's when we said, yeah, let's do it. 
and I just assigned 50% interest of the contract to Faro Ventures. We closed on it, you know, a couple weeks later. And then in the meantime, we had come to an agreement that you were going to do all of the paperwork side, kind of like what you did with, with uh, your Denver deal. And I was going to handle all of the contractor and um, hands-on side. Right, right. So the, the way that, that I, I thought about it was, you know, I brought the money for the closing. And then I had the line of credit. And I incurred all the rehab costs up front. It didn't quite work out that way. I mean, because from a practical perspective, there were times when you needed to cover that. And so I ended up reimbursing along the way. But you basically had no cash in the deal right. throughout the process. Um, and then and then when it closed, we, we divvied up the math and, and split up the profit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to double down, too, on the point that you handled all the paperwork side. Like you managed keeping track of where our budget was. You built out mm-hmm. the Excel and all that. Yep. So, I mean, that's key. I, anybody who knows me knows that I am not a financial wizard who likes looking at Excel sheets. And so, um, you know, taking that off was was also huge. And then in, a, in an agreement, we said, okay, well, what would be the percent split? And we came to an agreement on what that would look like. And it ended up netting you a good chunk more than you would have made had you... Uh, just taken passive. You know, it's funny. I, I didn't do the math on that. Um, I can do but it. But my guess is that, I mean, the, the way, are you comfortable with me sharing the numbers on? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. So so when, when I do a private money loan, it's it's traditionally been a one point of origination mm-hmm. and 10% simple interest for the life of the loan. Uh, and I think we turned the thing around in four months. So, you know, we got to have, mm-hmm. you know, four, four months of 10% annualized interest plus one point. Yeah, it would have been four thousand bucks. Yeah, I, I made about triple that. Yeah, so it's a, it was a win win for a couple of reasons, and I knew that I was going to make a little less on my overall profit. But just like what you and I always talk about, it's better to to do it the right way, you know, and make a profit that's sustainable. You know, borrow the money, make sure that you're not over leveraged, and then when you close, it's like, okay, yeah, he made more. That's a win because guess what? Now I have a private lender who prioritizes my deals, you know, over other things. Yeah. And I had also way less time into the deal. Yeah. And I think, I think you actually uh, had another upside to that, right? And I think, I think I, I saw your, your evil plan at work here, right? Because as we've talked about subsequent deals, the plan is that not only going forward am I going to take over the paperwork, but I'm also going to take over interacting with the contractors, right? And so following up on those guys and making sure it's getting done, you know, it's, it's work, right? And and I think we've talked about doing that for you know a larger cut of the deal. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that that leaves you doing what you do really well, which is finding the deals. Right. Gives me an opportunity to participate more in the investment and make a better return. Yeah. Um, and you know, selfishly, it gives me an opportunity to work with you. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to hammer in on that. We were just talking about this with each other. We were talking about this. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, plenty of times, right. With being able to, you know, find partnerships like this where each individual is doing the things that they are really, really good at or really, really enjoy, right. To where it makes sense to come together and and make something work out. One, like you guys said, not only, Hey, kind of doing this test run, um, you know, kind of divvying up the responsibilities here, 
seeing how this works out and then how can we take that moving forward and one do more deals uh together and two make more money together yeah right and i think you mentioned it a little bit at the very beginning for people always have a ton of excuses right especially people at the very beginning when they may not have done a deal yet or or stuff like this i mean i think I don't want to speak for you, but I know the very first flip I found, right? Because, you know, little to no experience, I went out and found the deal, but okay, my problem is now, okay, I don't have the money to do anything. I don't have the money to buy it. Don't have the money to rehab it. We took it to one of our, or I took it to one of our mentors and joint ventured the deal, right? Mm -hmm. So for people who are saying the excuses that they don't have the money, I think there are plenty of avenues and routes to get that to get that solved and and just get that limiting belief out of the way and i'll tell you i would not have been willing to get into the flip business without that partnership and and there's a really specific reason for it um i know from the the rental that that i bought in colorado that when when we bought that house it it needed some work right and and i know that um the, the work that I want to put in is probably not the work that's necessary in order to turn around a good deal that someone's going to be happy with, right? And that I would most likely way overspend on a rehab uh, in order to, to, to get that, that deal done. So having, having someone saying, hey, this is actually a good rehab. This is enough. <laughs> you don't have mm-hmm. to go that, that extra 15000 because it's not going to add that much value to the house is really valuable. Mm-hmm. Knowing where to stop. Yes, knowing yeah. where to stop. <laughs> well, let's jump into that then. Yes. I mean, when we ran the numbers, here's how we broke it out. We said purchase price was 70000 We thought we might be paying a little bit more than what we would like, but it worked out. Um, we expected to spend 20000 on the rehab, and we planned it was going to take about four weeks to turn the unit. Because in escrow, we got a quote. We said three weeks... I think the the labor part came out to be just over ten thousand dollars, which we know labor is about fifty percent of the project, so it was going to be about twenty. So we started seeing okay, our numbers that we had when we first analyzed the deal were pretty spot on to what we were looking at actually spending before we started, you know, work. And then, like I said, our worst case scenario, we said we hoped we would sell for more than one thirty five. And we said, hopefully on the high end, we'll sell for 150. And I think um, that when we first started, I think there was a very good chance we could have sold for 150. But for timing reasons, which we'll get into, um, that became less and less likely. So, so purchase price was 70. You guys were thinking uh, with the quote you got, three to four week turnaround, you'd be all in for about 90, 91. Uh, based on the quote and then worst case scenario hoping to turn it around and sell it for 135 or a little higher Mm -hmm. so you guys close escrow we get and you know day one you guys are closed official owners project starts how does the project start from the beginning If, if we dive into how the actual rehab went did everything go smoothly was everything pretty much straight to the quote you guys in escrow was there any hiccups that popped up that's how I remember it, right? I mean, they, they jumped in and did the demo pretty quickly. And, you know, what I always expect in that situation is once they get in and do the demo, they're going to find that there's stuff that they couldn't estimate ahead of time. Uh, and I think there were a couple small things that we didn't estimate 
there was some kind of janky uh, electrical deal where a cable came out of a wall at a corner and into a wall on the other side of the corner. Yeah, it was You're very like, weird. What? <laughs> All right, um, and we we hadn't estimated fixing that, but there wasn't much in the way of surprise. And it, it's sort of at that point, I felt like we were kind of home free. Uh, I think we end up going ten percent over our rehab budget, which you know, from my own experience on managing my own property and, and other you know a rental property, going over by ten percent is basically a win. Yeah, and at at twenty thousand, you know, we went over nineteen hundred bucks, which was about the amount of, you know, uh, it was that electrical wire. Uh, you know, I think we, we bought mirrors that we didn't account for right. and like a couple little things and windows, windows were the most expensive difference, but we, we had planned for that. Right. So yeah. I, you know, there, there were, there were a couple of things that weren't on the initial part list that we had to do, um, that we missed in the estimate. Uh, and I think, you know, you go back and you, you add that to your punch list for when you estimate previously, but it wasn't such a big change that it ate our profit, right? I, w- I effectively considered it on budget, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was going to say when, you know, as investors, when we're buying things, you know, cash as is, you know, there are 100% things that can pop up and that you cannot see when either we are walking the house ourselves or even if we have a contractor just do a quick walkthrough during escrow to get eyes on it. There's always things that that pop up, right? And we've always been taught that. But I'm, yeah, I'm with you guys. If yeah. you know, nineteen hundred bucks over budget, right? I mean, I'd say you guys fall right into the sweet spot of and basically staying on budget. That also, I include, was happy with it, and that includes cleaning and trash outs. You know, so like that wasn't even just all rehab. That was selling costs too, right? Because you know, it costs money to remove trash, and we had to do it twice because you know. Um, the, you know, the biggest issue I think we had in, in construction was the windows. So we got everything done in the first three weeks, just like we had planned. Um, shout out to Sevio. He was lights out. Would you agree? Yeah, he, he really was. I mean, I, I think we could have closed the deal earlier if it hadn't been for the manufacturing delay on the windows, which nobody in this room or Eusebio could have controlled. Right. And I think we got very lucky that we had a good relationship with a contractor like Eusebio who was flexible and said, look, like you let me know when the windows are done. I'll come back in and get it, you know, done in a day. But, you know, he got everything done in the first three weeks. It was a little stressful. I don't I don't know if you remember. There was a day where I had to go to Home Depot and get a sink and granite guy cut the granite wrong and, you know, little things that popped up, but nothing that was catastrophic or cost any significant money. Right, but I mean, that's all stuff that you expect in managing a project. There's mm-hmm. nothing about that that happened that was surprising to me. Right. Yeah. And then we wrap up uh, a couple weeks later. That's when we were able to get the windows installed. Um, you know, unfortunately, they took eight weeks, not four weeks like we originally expected. Um, but that wasn't something that we could really control. And I think you and I really didn't panic about it. We just kind of held tight. Right. And I think it influenced the value of the deal. Because, for sure. Because in that, that extra four weeks, I think interest rates changed. Yeah, we we closed in April. The first interest rate hike was in May. Second one was in June. Third one was in July. We hit the market at the middle of of June, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, we definitely I think at the start one fifty was a reasonable number to think about. Yep. And by the time we had windows done, another list, uh, unit had listed at one forty five, and so we undercut them at one forty three. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the suggestion. Um, 
And I think that was like the right route. But I think outside of that, there was no other huge hiccups in the construction phase. No, no, it, it went really, really smoothly. Um, I was actually impressed. And, you know, that's the other thing that I that I worry about with doing a flip. You know, it's 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 one thing to trust your investment partners that they know how to find a deal and, and that they're going to pay you back if you're you're holding the promissory note. Right. That's one thing. It's another level of risk to engage a contractor. Right? Yeah. especially with supply chain problems. And, and at least at that time, my belief is that people were busier than a three-legged cat in a dog pound. Yeah, it was hard to get labor. Right. And so so that was something that I was was really taking a gamble on is is that, that you had a team that you really trusted. And, you know, Eusebio has earned that trust with, with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys mentioned something that I think is interesting, too, is the timing of how this deal went down, right? Because we we all know Q1 of this year, the market was still on fire, right? Stuff was crazy. Even when you guys close in April, stuff is still popping off, right? But then you guys just buy this flip, not even a month later is the first interest rate hike. Then a month later is the second big interest rate hike. Then three months later is another big interest rate hike. Was there ever any concern with how the market was going on if the numbers were still, um, you know, going to pencil out the way you wanted them to? I know we did undercut that other listing. So, you know, instead of going live at 149 or 150, right, we did seven grand lower, two grand lower than the other listing in, in the neighborhood. But any any was there any concern on how the market was trending or where it was headed? Not even a little bit. All right, and I'll, I'll tell you why is is that, that my investment strategy um, is is fairly low risk. I look at the deal, I look at how likely I am to get paid back, right? But is is the way we've structured the deal? I mean, I own the property outright, and so if the numbers didn't pencil, the fallback was for me to pay Scott his portion, turn it into a rental, and I'm good to go. Right, so I wasn't really worried about it. You know, I'm I'm fairly risk averse, um, and and probably different than a lot of your investors because I'm I'm using my own money. But if you can be in this situation uh, with bringing your own money to this stuff, it it's been paying off better for me than the stock market has been. Yeah, well, and I was never really concerned about it because I felt so confident in our purchase price after our rehab. I said to myself, we could, if we were hurting to get our cash back, we could get our cash back and some we would just take a small profit for our headache. Um, one of the things like what he just said is that when you when we bought it, we, instead of having to pay a monthly stroke to a, a private lender, you know, all of all of Dave's profit was through the, the flip. So I was never concerned about it because I said to myself, worst case, I'm gonna take a haircut on my profit, but either a buyer is gonna purchase this to live in it for themselves or He's interested in it as a rental because we found out that like rent in the community was going for fifteen hundred, yeah. right? Right. And we knew that even when you pull out a mortgage for a hundred thousand, you're not going to be at fifteen hundred. So we felt pretty good about it. Um, there was definitely a period of time where we questioned whether or not we should price reduce or pot- potentially mm-hmm. exercise the purchase option. Um, you know, we sat on the market for a little bit, but you know, I don't think we really ever got to the point where it was like, Hey, we're going to pull the trigger on changing something. It was kind of always you and I talking, Hey, you know, are you still getting showings? Hey, what's the feedback? And, and most of the feedback was the community, not our condo. 
So we knew we were just waiting for the right person. Yeah. And it's interesting because like you mentioned, where, um, you know, having low concern, where in Fresno are you going to find something for less than 150,000 that is newly remodeled on the inside, more than one bedroom, right? So I think that was also on the back of our minds, like, dude, the, the right buyer will come along. We will get this thing sold. There is almost nothing on the market listed for our price with the quality that's in there. So, um, yeah. And I think, uh, like you mentioned, we were on the market for a little bit. I don't think we ever had a really slow period of showings, um, which was good. We were pretty consistent with the showings and really the feedback being, um, you know, with the complex itself, but even then uncontrollables, right? You guys cannot control, you know, the complex. You can't control the complex going through, uh, going to new management, right. And being under new management. So, um, I think we did a good job on, and you guys did a good job on holding out, letting the showings go through and waiting for the right buyer, waiting for the right offer. Yeah, I think there was, yeah, I I agree with all that. I I think there was just one part of the deal where I got a little nervous that we had missed something big. uh, And that was during the the negotiations with the eventual buyer uh, surrounding the tree uh, in, in the backyard. There. Yeah. And we looked at that and I, I think, you know, that's, that's something in the next deal that I, I might be interested in expanding our vision into accounting for those things as well. Yeah. Well, so, and to give context, because a lot of people didn't really look at the photos, there was a large tree in the backyard and the backyard was not much bigger than this office is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a big tree like that is very close to your home. It's also close to your wall. It's right next to an elementary school or a daycare. I don't remember what it was. And so, you know, there was definitely concern by, from a lot of buyers about that. And coincidentally, we almost actually sold the condo right after we bought it before we did any work. We almost sold it to an investor for 100000 and, you know, recouped almost a similar profit without doing any of the work, but they backed off because of the tree. And we said, nah, we'll take that risk. We'll, we'll go through and get it done. You know, I don't remember that. Remember we had two different buyers who were uh, investors wanting rentals and they walked the property each with agents that I previously knew. And one made an offer at a hundred and then rescinded it because they were concerned about the tree. And then another made an offer at a hundred and rescinded it. Wow. And then remember, I will also say, the investor also offered 150 if we flipped it and removed the tree. And we didn't end up getting back to them because the windows took so long they found something else. Mm-hmm. So definitely some interesting stuff. I will say um, you did a really good job, Cade, because as our realtor, you held out. You didn't make us panic or anything and say, hey, you're not getting what you need, blah, blah, blah. And then you actually brought in the buyer, which was a big win, I think, for everybody. And so you bringing in that buyer played a big part because we had a lot better understanding of where she was at. And I think at the end of the day, because you represented her, we were able to get through that escrow because we can talk about some of the stuff that happened kind of towards the end. Yeah, I escrow pretty smooth um, uh, up until close to the end, right? With some, again, uh, what I would say uncontrollables that nobody knew were going to pop up until the end. Right. And I think, um, the first thing that had popped up was one of the weird complex rules for financing, and right. It, with the, the dues owed mm-hmm. to, um, the property manager and, and stuff like that. Well, so let me explain it real quick. Yeah. 
what happened is because the interest rates are changing, banks are trying to get uh, more strict about uh, because, excuse me, because the market is shifting, not the interest rates changing. Because the market is shifting, everybody's concerned about a, re a recession. Banks are trying to not be over leveraged. So on condos, they implemented a new or they re-implemented mm -hmm. a previous program where they would check the condo's uh, financial stability. And if you had more than 20%, I think it, it was even 10%. Yeah, if more than 10% yeah. of residents were 60 days late mm -hmm. on HOA payments, they required a much heftier down payment for a borrower, even though the borrower was at a 3% originally, you know, conventional loan. She had to all of a sudden, because of HOA issues, she had to come up with another 7% in order to get the deal done. And I think that was really the biggest headache and the biggest speed bump in our entire escrow process because we didn't find out until pretty much the, the closing day. Pretty um, much. <laughs> when all of a sudden it all came toppling down and they said, hey, you got to you gotta either change your loan or the, the loan is canceled. So... I know how I felt when we found that out, um, and I know how my client on the buy side felt when we when we found that out. What did you guys think when that news was broken to everybody? Did you guys have any concerns that the deal was going to fall through? Did you have faith we were going to get it closed? What were you guys thinking in that moment when we got that news that a buyer who's at 3% down now needs to come up with 7% more to get to that 10% threshold? Yeah, I, I thought the deal was going to fall through. I, I haven't been here before. I look at this and go, all right, you know, on a property like this, when you're talking about like tripling their down payment, mm -hmm. the likelihood that the buyer is going to have that cash on hand is fairly small. Right. And I wasn't super excited about participating in solving that problem. Yeah. I've, I was in a very different space. Um, I've done a couple hundred deals now, so maybe not a couple hundred, but at least 150. Um, I knew that there was going to be solutions. I knew one of the solutions was canceling escrow and, uh, you know, finding a new buyer. But I still felt really good about the deal altogether. I thought maybe I wouldn't get paid as soon as I thought I would. Um, when I called David, I knew the lender, right? So this is the benefit of a network. Mm -hmm. I called David and I just said, what's going on? Like, why didn't we find this? And he was... You know, like, hey, this is what happened. He explained what I just explained. Um, you know, I, I talked with you and, and David and just said, well, look, you know, if she can come up with a portion of it herself, if we can all pitch in a little and get the deal closed, we all did all this work to get all the way to here. You know, I kind of looked at it as like we're helping a good buyer who honestly gave us a price that we liked and was not super difficult in escrow and had no control over this loan issue. I looked at it as like, hey, we're helping her get into the house and I felt pretty good about it. I know that you weren't super excited about offering up money for free, um, but I was just, you know, being in the trenches in the real estate market, I was concerned about where the market was going and whether or not we'd get that price again. Yeah, so, so. I, think, I think that's an important thing to, to mm -hmm. call out, right? I mean, I am not a real estate professional, right? And I think it's just normal human nature to not want to bring your price down because of something that, that I didn't cause, right. right? But being partnered with someone who's done this before and says, it's okay, this is normal business, right? Remember, you're making about triple what you would have made if you were just financing the deal, yeah, right? 
pulling that that back into perspective and the reality you go all right once i'm over sort of the emotional shock of it it was a, a reasonable business decision to make and we did move forward with it and i'm happy with the results yeah we lost 700 bucks each um not even yeah, I, it was it was about that i mean it, it was, was it was what 1400 and then with our split it was a little different and you know we looked at it and, and you pitched in honestly david pitched in you pitched in and david did and then the buyer you know remember she had to go to her you know family member and and get some extra cash so i knew that this is what made it for me like where i felt like yeah everybody everybody contributed was that she had to actually go find half of the money herself and so although we offered some assistance i'm glad that she didn't just say oh okay i'm out you know and walk away she said like hey I'm going to help figure this out. And this was her first home purchase, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, she had also put in some skin in the game. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, you know, if you're not in the business of, of negotiating and finding the wins, it, you know, you think to yourself, why are we all going to pitch in? You know, essentially we pitched in four grand. Like, wh why the hell would I even do that? You know, but looking back, it's like, well, it was a pretty smooth escrow. I think overall our total requests for repairs were 600 bucks which is very very low and we said to ourselves we're doing a good thing getting somebody into a home she really likes it it helps Cade get a new s another sale it helps our friend david get a sale escrow gets paid we get paid it seemed kind of like overall a pretty good win yeah I, and i agree I, I think i think my my point is that uh you know if if you're new at doing this you know, you yeah. don't think this is just you're, you may not think that's that's normal business. And so the value of having someone experienced with you alongside to say this is normal, this is not alarming, really helps sort of level set for the next deal, right? Because the problem wasn't that we had to kick in. The problem was that I hadn't mentally budgeted for that possibility, mm -hmm. right? And and if that, if you, if I, because I didn't do that, I was thrown off sort of emotionally about that. And there's no place for that. In, in doing a deal, right? And so it was really helpful to have, have someone that I trusted saying, it's okay, man, just slow your roll, it's all right. Yeah, and I think even after getting over that emotional part, even me, I had the emotional part to get over too because even having the real estate experience, I, th I thought the same thing. I was like, holy crap, almost, you know, over tripling the down payment. Like, how how is this going to get across the finish line? But I think a really big piece that helped everybody across the board is that everybody wanted to get the deal closed. It wasn't that one party was backing out or one party had issues, um, you know, about the, the property specifically, right? Everybody wanted to come together collectively and figure out a way to get this closed and get this across the finish line. So I think having everybody on that same page, everybody with that collective vision also made it a little bit easier to get over, uh, and comprehend that road bump. So, um, I think it, it we ended up, escrow ended up being pushed back a week and a half mm -hmm. two weeks yeah, maybe two weeks so um again like you were saying right you you guys on the back end as you know the flippers were not getting paid as soon as you would have liked but i mean think about it when you guys are sitting there with the option right figure out a way to get this done it may take an extra couple weeks right but you know the other option to weigh is okay let's not do this let's not move forward let's go back on the market but what if going back on the market takes another three four five six weeks to get another offer and close right yeah. so yeah. um 
I, I think we can speak for everybody and saying I'm glad and we everybody came to let, together collectively, got the deal across the finish line. Um, what did the numbers look like for you guys after close of escrow? You know, staying on budget, um, extending, you know, a couple weeks into escrow. But what did it look like for you guys after the deal was wrapped up? Do you want to spitball or do you want me to? I can I can spitball. I think I think my final take home from the deal was around thirteen grand. Yeah, and I think my take home was right around twenty twenty four twenty six. It should twenty six. So yeah, it it was a great deal. Yeah, yeah. I was I was really happy with it. You know, I I didn't run the numbers on if I had just done a private money loan on it, right? But when you showed me that calculation, I'm like, oh man, I I, I tripled that. Um, honestly, I'm like, I didn't feel like I did enough work for that. And I think that was intentional because as we're looking for new deals, he's like, now you're going to do more on this next one. Uh, no, I, I, and I don't mean that. In the, yeah. I don't mean that in a cynical way. What I see, what I'm saying is that, that what I, the way I see it is you're bringing me into the business further. Yeah. Right. I'm not sure that I will ever reach a place where I'm willing to do the work that you do to find the deals, but being in a place where given a good deal that pencils and executing on that, that's kind of my next goal um, mm-hmm. because I kind of enjoy the projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that would be a, a really good uh, partnership yeah. between us. And, and it's been a very gentle process being brought into the investment side yeah. by you guys. Uh, and, you know, I've got, I've got most of my, uh, my investment account out working right now. And the fact that I've got a place to put that money with people that I trust yeah. is really, really valuable to me. As a matter of fact, I did a, another deal, um, or I got a call a few weeks after the deal closed, and, and the, the guy that I was doing the deal with said, hey, I just got to let you know that uh, we, we think that the previous, I'm not going to say that, somebody burned the house down. This is the deal with Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? And he's like, it's okay. I know how to deal with this, right? And, and he made it all right, right? And so I can't stress enough how valuable it is to have people who've seen this before that are trustworthy. At no point in any of these processes have I felt like I would be out the money entirely. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's been a really, really great path into this business. Yeah, and I think if you're new, maybe not everybody's going to have the same experience that you have. You had 30 years of, of working in a, you know, really good job and saving a lot of the money that you made and you had some money to come to the deal with, but you also leverage the fact that you're really good with numbers and you're really good at tracking and that you enjoy management side. And I think it's a good a good example for people that we talk to about how we say bring your value, don't just ask for, you know, help say this is how i can help you know i didn't even think about partnering on it necessarily when i first saw the deal but then all of a sudden the thought of not having to handle all of the money and the quickbooks account and you know the cash in cash out and setting all that up all i had to work on was how to get the rehab done that was a great way of doing it and i think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i didn't even calculate what my expense would have been to you i had no clue i just knew i would rather you know, have you come on, learn it. Like you and I said, we're, we're working towards finding a way to get you more involved. And, you know, it was a win-win. I made a profit that I said, you know, this is what I would want to make if it was the worst case. And I made more than that. So I can't complain, you know? Yeah, I think biggest takeaway 
for me seeing you know this from the sidelines right and obviously being involved in the deal and and, and keeping tabs is you know for like Scott mentioned the new investor or the people who are looking to scratch their way into the business or be gradually introduced into the business right find a way to bring value and have a win-win at the end of the day right whether that be with your skills whether that be with you know bringing the deal bringing the money whatever it is right being able to go to somebody who is respected experienced in the field on what you want to be going into bringing value and providing the win-win. I think that that was really cool for me seeing on the sidelines because, again, I've only ever seen it from the perspective of Dave from you from the private money side, but now being able to see Scott telling me how he is enjoying the process, the things that he's working on, the things that you're working on, and just seeing that win-win play out in real time um, was really, really cool. Well... I know that you've got another appointment to go to. I do. And so we will wrap this up. We appreciate you coming on the podcast when you're in Fresno. Maybe we'll have you come on again uh, and go from there. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the next deal. Cool. Sweet. Thanks for tuning in.